The Injudicious Ramblings of Andre and Gary. again a couple of days late because Andre was he drank too much and it and it uh, decreased his 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 blood pressure so much that oxygen wasn't getting to the rest of his body well not blood pressure as much as it reduced my arm the carrying capacity of my cells yes because it was carrying primary uh, alcohol as opposed to oxygen yeah, so he had to he had to let that wash out, go to what, what you, a Swedish uh, heat chamber thing where you which sat I called my bedroom. That's right, because I have no AC. <laughs> no AC. <laughs> so that's just in my Swedish, bedroom. But, uh, ancient ancient uh, Native American uh, <laughs> sweat, sweat lodge, lodge. <laughs> known as Andre's apartment. Uh, no, 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 not the, not the, not the, not the, not the house. Just my bedroom. Just your bedroom. The rest of the house is well aerated. <laughs> Very you know, efficient um, air conditioning well, system. Well, I, I hope so, because if you're sweating your ass off in your room, the moment you walk out, it's like, oh, shit, oh, God. Someone spray him with Febreze. <laughs> it's just that one bedroom. However, however, I can endure. You shall, but, you shall overcome. But you know what? That's, that's the... That is the trials and tribulations of a, of a student. Of a drinker. Well, okay, of a drinker. <laughs> of a student drinker. <laughs> or a boy, yeah, right. Yeah. But a- what did that, nothing do, what did that a- have to do with me being a student, though? That was me, that was us Has running you- Saturday with our running group and then <laughs> drinking after. Uh, that was what, that's when it hit me. Well, no, I I had drunk a bottle of wait, champagne. Wait, you, 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 went, you went running and you were short of breath after? <laughs> Shock. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> when I put it that way. <laughs> no, this is what I'm going to blame the champagne I drank the night before. I drank a bottle of champagne the night before. And then I did the running group. I ran twice in one day. And I drank a lot of vodka. And that was it. Uh, wait, you, but, you drank vodka at, at the online? No, as, then we... On after, after, on after. After, after. Yeah, because yeah. four of us went to... One of those stonework area bars. Oh, okay. And I drank about four or five vodka tonics. <laughs> and that was the... Well, seeing as how you only drink twice option. a week these days. Maybe three times a week if you go to Flying Saucer. Maybe maybe four if you go to Hills At most six. At most six times a week. At right. most six. But you do... Now that, now that you're a reformed Christian, you do respect whatever day that you don't drink as the Sabbath. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> I do remember the Sabbath to keep it holy, and as you said, whenever that day does pop up that I don't drink, right? So you might have hereby anointed thirteen days in a row, and so that last day, I, in, might, yeah. I stockpile my Sabbath sometimes. Right. I might do four days of Sabbaths, it, right? And Absolutely. then I can go four by six, twenty-four days of straight drinking because I've stockpiled my Sabbaths. It's a good policy, you know. It's, I like it. Sure, it's reason. It's called. What do, what do conservatives like? Responsible. It's called respo- personal responsibility. Yes. And having a plan. It's not a fiscal responsibility. Uh, not necessarily. It depends on how many free drinks you can get out of it. Oh, wait. None. Oh, a handouts. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't you feel entitled? I bet you just walk in. I drink so... You owe me a beer. I drink so much here. You owe me a beer. This, this society is crushing my spirit. I need to be lubricated. <laughs> lubricated. Okay, so this is what we're going to talk about today. Well, you meant to say liberated, but you just said lubricated. No, liberated. <laughs> any form of... Any form of the word liber... A know, libation. Any, no, any form, anything to do with liberal. Librarian. Right? Any parson of the word liberal. 
is unacceptable to a good reformed Christian like myself. This is this is true. That's right. You have to. You now have to be a conservative, which has yeah. the word "con" in it. <laughs> On the other hand, liberal has "er." Oh wait, so it's conservative. Never mind. Oh wait, conservative has the word Gary, "bat." I'm going to spare myself any <laughs> listeners and the rest of your twaddle by. Okay, so today this is what we're going to talk about. It's, it's, I remember. I, I, I like it when you show up with a topic that that you haven't previously divulged to me. <laughs> here I Keeps thought. In the toes. Here, here I thought we were going to talk about uh, that uh, Harvey Golub. No, we are going to talk about it. This okay. is going to take fifteen minutes. Okay. Right. Or okay. Maybe more. But or the whole time. That's fine. Yeah. But this topic is it was so important to me. Um, one, I had been feeling guilty on this podcast because. You know, I'm a foreigner, and I'm talking a lot about America and policies and that kind of thing. And and somebody, in a foreign accent, which it, disturbs which me. Is, <laughs> to add insult to injury, right? With a foreign, I couldn't. I don't have the decency to adopt a good a good American accent. A good American accent. But I'm here, you're talking <laughs> like some sort of. But right, so I, and I did feel guilty. And one day I did say, but you know, you know what? I shouldn't feel guilty because America, the the strength of America, militarily and economically, and its influence worldwide, is such that I am affected by America's policies. Right, and we are a melting pot. Well, that doesn't really buttress my argument. <laughs> <laughs> the point it, of it was is, if you were bringing pots across <laughs> and melting them. <laughs> well, I refuse to melt a good pot. <laughs> so that's what I'm so, and I, I finally got conclusive proof, right? Not conclusive proof. I, I knew everybody knows that America's policies influence everyone, but this is I'm going I'm going to present um some research in the form of somebody else's research, and I'm going to tell you why from now onwards I will no longer feel uh what I vanished in the mind. Be on the defensive about criticizing American policies. Okay, so let's start from it. Um, I'm drawing a lot of my research. Right, one from memory and from years of um, personal experience of reading. No, and years of reading about um, <laughs> global economics, and most and the other part of it from Naomi Klein's book, um, the shock, Do- the shock doctrine, the rise of a, um, of disaster capitalism. Right. So, this is okay. So we we start off here with a policy, economic policy, um, kind of started by Milton Friedman. Um, it's called the Chicago School of Economics, right? Which says that markets should be unfettered. Now, Gary, you're aware of this policy, of this, this prevailing economic... Right, it's in, in which is now popularized, I guess, now by Ayn Rand, right? Well, well, I, I wouldn't say Ayn Rand popularized it, or, or she even espoused it, but I would say it is of this, it is in the same family. Same, same family. Well, I mean, currently, that's what one of the... But, uh, the, the 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 Republican Party. That's kind of what they're drawing from, which goes back a little bit further, right? Well, yeah, well, well. But let, let, let's say the Chicago School of Economics certainly, um, you know, Anne Rand's similarly dominating principles of selfishness and humor. Uh, you know, anything that that as I said, who's it that said uh, man, man has always been um, trying to find a good reason to justify greed. Which is the Chicago School? The Chicago School of Economics is often greed. Oh, okay. And and Rand's school of thought 
justifies greed because she says man should you know self interest and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and, it's all right. about so they're two as they support and help each other along, okay. right? But they're not necessarily not necessarily the same in the specifics, but they're no, the same in, in the, the spirit. Ideas. Yeah, yeah in the spirit. So the show, so Chicago so says the market should be unfettered. Now by this they mean um, free free market will decide price of everything. So right. there should be no minimum wage. There should be no um, um, universal health care. There should be no welfare. There should be no Medicare. There sh- you should not constrain uh, the people market. Are, people aren't responsible for the society in which they live, basically. Right, right. And, <laughs> and it's not even to go that far. They just say the market will... If you leave the market and, and, and take away... Um, it will fetters and 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 watch and watchdogs like the EPA and things like that, right? <laughs> there should be the, ma- the the market should will decide everything. It will decide right. the price of healthcare. It will decide um, the price of bread. There should be no price controls, right? right. There be or no- environmental, as you said, the EPA. Yeah. So no, right, you can't you can't put uh, uh, housing standards. No, no, you right. don't do that. The market decides because. You don't need housing standards because you will buy the best house for the, for the, for the bright price. That's what they say, okay? Now, <laughs> these people have never been outside the United States no, before. Well, you'll see how, to what extent <laughs> they've gone outside the United States. So, so the Chicago School of Economics, by Milton Friedman, right, gained a great traction in the University of Chicago, and they formulated this, um, they, so they kind of indoctrinated the entire department in this um, theory and then they wanted places in with which to, within which to experiment now the thing about these kind of economics is that it's very unpopular you can't you know you want to go and tell people um, no price controls or I'm going to take away your Medicare you know it doesn't, it, nobody wants to do that well the rich people do because they can afford it of course they do because <laughs> well, and we'll see why even why it's, it's more beneficial to the rich people right. in about two minutes but the people the proletariat, right? The masses, it is not pal- palatable to them. Right. And the thing about economic theories, one, well, one, Milton Friedman, they wanted to make this into a science. Much like there's a, like finance has scientific principles and. Or Dianetics. Is a science, <laughs> right? And Scientology, well, which is a child it's of Dianetics. It's very. Exactly. exactly so. He wanted to make insanity. Hey, what's, what's the one with the, uh, the the Germans liked it about the cranium and oh 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 where's that called? With an e. Um, starts <sighs> with an e. Yeah 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 yeah. Anyway, head, yeah, the shape of your head, eugenics, eugenics and eugenics, eugenics yeah, and stuff exactly. like that. Okay, also so a science. That's a big part of it. <laughs> yeah, so they wanted, but it, the thing is, this, as an electrical engineer, a mechanical engineer, you can go into a lab. And to some extent, you can control variables and replicate it and, and do experiments. Yes. Economic experiments can't be done like that. They need right. to be put into society where there are all sorts of forces acting on all different directions. Who is going to let them put these principles into power? The no. government! <laughs> well, the government, but not the American government because, and not, and because the American government isn't crazy. You know well, not yet. that you sacrificed <laughs> back then. You can't sacrifice Nixon and they... You know, this was happening all during Nixon's time, the 70s and 60s. You, you're not going to let, you know, because you know the uprising. Politicians want to get voted back into power. A democratic government is not going to let you do that. Even they made this, these overtures to Margaret Thatcher right. at first, and she said while she would like to put them into, into practice, she could not do it because the, at that point in time, her um, approval rating was really low. 
and she did once again to relax it. Well, this 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 kind of leads into the Perry's thing, and you know, because Perry wants to do away with uh, the, the direct uh, di- direct voting on your representation. Is that, that's one of his his key things oh in, his, my, in his book, Fed Up. I would love to read. I need to get my hands on that book. Yeah, I, I know. I, I cause it. Of course, you're not gonna find it at the library because everybody's <laughs> reading it, and I, I refuse to give him a penny. Oh no, I'm not gonna buy it. <laughs> I am but not. yeah, he he wants. That's one of his tenets. Is he wants to do with the way with a direct representation, so that the people who are in power are actually chosen by somebody, you know, or maybe by by a larger you know group of people, uh, or rather higher ups, like the important people, right. instead of. You know the proletariat. Oh, is that what he wants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so what? The, so what you're speaking about almost goes directly into right. Uh, this policy was the more suddenly you can go nothing. But, well, I, and I anarchy. Was, I will say, and listen, <laughs> and you saying that even before I made the point I'm going to make in a few minutes shows you <laughs> that is exactly the thing. That is exactly the policies. Uh, this Chicago style of economics. It that is the, it. Needs a lack of democracy to right. function. Okay, so right, so the, the democratic society said, "No, we're not going to have this." So they went down to South America, and without going through all the history of South America, this was at a time when the, Chile, the Chilean government was overthrown, and they found a dictator, which is I think it was Pinochet. Uh, it was right? a Pinochet, really? That guy was a kind of a bastard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, not even kind of. He was he was a bastard. He was certainly <laughs> a bastard, right? Um, let me and let me find a name for for to, just to be sure. So basically, all these guys, have, have, yeah, the guys who are, are are in favor of this have like the idea of of all of these these Hollywood movies where. You know, like the A Team or the Expendables, where they go in and they kick the ass of the local dictator because they they think that's a real thing. Well, no, this is no, no, this is not kicking the ass of the local dictator. No, no, I know that, but but you see what the dictator does, which is exactly what is going oh, to happen. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then they can go in there and kick ass and yeah. be hey. De- definitely. I mean, all of them is a very is a very chicken hawk kind of yeah. philosophy. Also, all of the things go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. This fantasy world and refusal to look at empiricism and facts and adjust your policies. They're, they're, no, they don't. Okay, so so so, so let's go back because because I, I okay. So you were talking about Pinochet. They went into Pinochet to over Chile. To Chile. Pinochet right. over to Chile, and he needed, and then Friedman and they, Milton Friedman in Chicago School of Economics, they were able to sell him on this theory of applying this to his. Well, I guess it's now gestational because the country's in a gestational state. After every coup, it's gestational because they have free reign to. It's a dictatorship, right? And he right. can do what he wants because inflation was high and stuff like that. Of course, the international community was, you know, not not um, in support of what he did. So Pinochet, now they say, listen, Pinochet, we can, you can have your, you can, we can be a light to the rest of the world, right? <laughs> Use these policies, the market will miracle will perform miracles in your economy. So he enacted all these rules, Pinochet, and of course disposed of. But he had disposed of the union leaders and all that stuff before, as any good communi- communist will do. And he started putting these principles... Or Republican. Play. Oh, yeah. well, it's one to see. Did I not say... This was not understood that when I said communist, I meant Republican. Right. That's what I... Minnesota, Wisconsin, whatever. Right? So, um, and they call it 
and they call it um shock therapy shock therapy is the populace isn't like these policies but you need to do them quickly and shock them with, don't do it gradually shock right, them it's into like circumcision them. yes quickly <laughs> but if circumcision will or, remove all of the entire penis <laughs> It's kind of what, but, but instead, of, instead of a little knife, it's like a big, you know, a hatchet yeah. or something. Yeah, no, yeah, they don't, don't move. Not by degrees. Don't cut the penis off inch by inch. Give me a whole, yeah, take off the entire thing. So they did it. They put in all these policies, right? And they um, remove the price controls and they remove subsidies of bread and all that kind of stuff, right? Yada yada yada. And they did this in one after the other of South American countries, right? It's Argentina. Several of them. When um, the Soviet Union was um, became um, moved out from from communism or whatever their their form of so so now they re- when they became the former Soviet blocs yeah and and, and they moved over to to capitalism they right. went in there and they all the stands put in this the... policy yes yes yeah. they have done they just and all and one thing I have to say the IMF was dominated by the school of thought and people like Larry Summers right who's in Obama and Right. All of them, very much of the school of um, economics, right? The World Bank and the IMF dominated by the Chicago style of politics, right? Now, we know what has happened in Africa and up and down the, um, the uh, up and down South America and in Russia. You go in there and you remove these controls. And what it leads to, well, two things happens when, they, when you go in there. One, you need to suppress the people because they're taking away, as I said, price controls. Um, unemployment, of course, skyrockets. It averages between 40 to 50% in the first few years of these policies, right? Um, so people get, of course, perturbed. And they start slashing salaries and wages. And so unions have to get involved because it's, st- right? The- right? But then you stop the unions because. No, no, you start disappearing the union leaders. Ah, yeah. And so disappear them, you know, and different means disappear. In one country, they're relatively benign, benign in that they would, whenever they, it came up that they, would, they were going to implement a new policy, they would just kidnap the union leaders, put them in the arm, secret them lie. somewhere for like about for like two months, pass the policies, and then bring union leaders back. Right. Pinochet, and they would just wholesale kill, kill hundreds yeah. of thousands. Nice. I mean, that's the easiest way right. to do it. But that's what if, I would if, do. Yeah, it, it's like it's like if if you were an evil overlord, the evil overlord list, the things that you would do if you were an evil um, union. Well, no, get rid of unions. That, no, that's number don't, one. Don't gloat over your enemies. Kill them. Don't allow the child of the enemy to go free. Kill the child, <laughs> or treat, bring them under your wing and 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 treat them well. Right. Yeah. But really, now you just need to kill. Them. I do. You need uh, to kill. And I, but I would go one A <laughs> would be and destroy the unions. Right. Right. You, you have to. You have to completely. You must. Yeah. yeah. Get rid of it. Get rid of everything. Yeah. Right. Because unions. No dissent whatsoever. You don't want people band. You don't want the common worker banding together. Yeah. Dissent is one thing from regular from from people who are not united. But when you get workers united, it's one thing to have dissent from like a, a political party. It's a different thing to have dissent from workers united. They always go after the unions. Sometimes they deem the attack attacking the unions uh, to be more important than attacking the other political party because the other political party, polit- polit- you know, politics and a political party is sort of an idea. Unions are co- workers are concrete though, because right. that's a force and they control or they, they influence. They can stop working. Suddenly. Yes, which the 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 elite at the right. top which they don't like. So they have because uh, well, you stop working, they stop losing. Uh, they start start losing money. Stop stop making money. 
Right, which to them is and an, that's bad. And that's right. So and also <laughs> things that happen is that they f- and they f- of course money gets funneled up to the top, and they privatize everything. This is part of the fear of the um, Chicago school style of economics: privatization of state assets. Right. You sell all state assets because thing businesses need to control everything. The government is does not need to control things. The businesses need to control everything, and of course. Cronyism takes place, and new businesses are sold oh, to friends. That wouldn't happen in, in and Texas. global and, and international com- companies come in, and that's what, that's, that's that's the style, right? And so that is the first thing that happens is that the second thing that happens some years later on is after a while people go tired, and there's there are coups and overthrows. But this takes a long time to happen, and then you restore a populist um, sort of government, and things start getting better because they start about putting in price controls and they start putting a safety net and you start putting in things like um, minimum wages and, and it go and it, you start nationalizing assets like oil and start taking them away from multinationals. Because one thing I would say with the Chicago style of economics, of course, right behind the, the economic theories, it swoops in the investors who uniformly are American and Western companies, right? And the same thing with the IMF. The IMF says... You can't subsidize your people for green or whatever because you have to pay this onerous debt, this interest back to us. We all know the IMF and the World Bank are mostly control. Uh, you're controlled by the proportion of the the your control is proportional to the size of your economy. So therefore, America has a much larger say in the IMF than anybody else because the Amer- America's economy is the biggest. Well, currently. Right, but <laughs> we're about to lose that. <laughs> they're doing their best to level the playing field. Okay, so having said all this now, so so this shock doctrine. So wherever there was a coup or wherever there was some sort of cataclysmic disaster, the IMF and the World Bank and the Chicago side of economics followed soon after. The tsunami, the um in, in Haiti. Yeah. Oh, oh, hey, oh my God, Haiti. They have been there. And done that, Haiti, and Haiti's wearing the T-shirt, you know, that's, oh my God. <laughs> it's wearing... She, and then that, got the homeopathic yeah, remedy. and they, they go back over <laughs> and over again, you know. So, so, this has been done. Okay, so now, let's make a point, one, make a point. Uh, undoubtedly, I've heard of the resurgence of South American economies in Brazil and Venezuela and stuff like that. And that is because... And Chile, actually. They no longer, all of them, they no longer take loans from the IMF um, and decided... Um, back around 1990, um, 19, no, 2001, 2002, where abruptly, I think, they started booting out the IMF and the World Bank and refusing their loans, and they started lending each other money. Um, mm-hmm. Venezuela. So they started their own yes, economies yes. based on their resources. Yeah, Venezuela started lending a lot of money because of the strength of the of the oil dollar. Mm-hmm. Venezuela lent a lot of money to um to the other countries, so they don't have these huge interests and and uh, usurious rates, and they don't have the national. Uh, privatize their assets. Uh, those countries decided nationalizing their assets. So the oil and stuff that excellently will take a 80% of the profit. Now yeah. the countries are getting 75% of the profit and Exxon is getting 25%. And Exxon is still doing well. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I remember, I remember when that happened when, uh, uh, the, uh, what's his name in Venezuela? Chavez. Chavez. Which is why course. they try yeah. to overthrow Chavez. Yeah, yeah. And there are so many lies about him and you know because he's right. a pup. And you see, and that's why you yeah. see the face of many of the South American countries are now less Caucasian and more Indo. Hmm. Right? The indigenous population. You see Morales, the president of um, Bolivia. They, they they look they look more like the the population. population yeah. Which is they look more Indo. 
you know, half Indo, half white, as opposed to being strictly Caucasian, which was the power elites that had been left over from the air, right? So this is what has been going on. Well, now, as a white person, that makes me uncomfortable. That's a, <laughs> no doubt, no doubt your time will come again, um, Gary. No doubt. I don't, I don't like the idea of a non-Caucasian in, in power. Elites, uh, now, Obama's okay, because, you know, he's... he's uh, <laughs> and he, at least he's American. And he's as close to Caucasian as, as you can get. <laughs> According to whom? Whom I'm saying. Obama is not really black. He's not white enough to be white, not black enough but to he, be black. He, he's certainly not black, <laughs> according to whom I'm saying. So, so, the disaster capitalism, we used to be, we'd wait for a disaster and lope along in after. Right. Right? Or sometimes you don't even wait for a disaster. Okay. You yeah. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly so. Two things. It's kind of like, so I, I saw this, I saw this shirt, uh, where it has Lassie on it, and uh, she's got one paw pushing Timmy into the well. <laughs> you see, <laughs> Lassie, Chicago, Chicago school, absolutely. She had a little thing that said Lassie, uh, IMF president, or something. That's, that's fantastic. <laughs> no, you create your own your own reality. <laughs> yeah. Right, Bush was like, who said that? George Bush, and they said, um, who was one? Who was the big, um, the big in the Bush administration that early on said, we, are, you all could live in reality, we will create our own reality. I, I was like Cheney, was it, it was not? One of them. Yeah, it's like, yeah, one of those criminals. Well, you know, Munchausen syndrome. So let me go. <laughs> let me. Okay, so this is la- last two points to wrap it up now. One, right. Iraq. Now, Naomi Klein went at great pains to put a connection between Chicago style of economics and violence, state-sponsored violence, which, of course, the Chicago um, people would all, Milton Friedman, and they would always say, listen, we didn't cause the violence. We just put in some economic theories. We put in some economic um, principles into practice. Right. We didn't cause any violence. We don't, we don't support the dictatorships and, the, you know, when they murder all the um, unionists and all the people on the left and that kind of thing and the purges. This we are a, just economic, economic a, a, economists, economists who are advising these governments, right? As I said, so they've been being kicked, and in, in Africa, just a, oh, to make a point, in Africa they've been kicked out of a lot of places too. So the IMF, I think their share of um, le, um, loans and stuff like that has been reduced about eighty percent. But the only place left is us. Oh, oh please don't! <laughs> I'll get mad. Get stop! Would you please stop preempting? Yeah. But you see, I like that you're doing that because. This is exactly what's going on. So I, let's I make, go. I, make, I, I, I like to run upstairs three at a time. You see? <laughs> so let's so take the next Funny step. enough, after three more stops, <laughs> okay. my third to last stop, Iraq. Immediately after the, um, the invasion of Iraq, right? For the first few, for six to, about six to ten months after, the violence in Iraq was not overwhelming, right? Yeah. However, Paul Bremer, the U.S. regent, went in there. And of course, instituted all of these principles where Iraqi companies were being, um, state assets were being sold off. Of course, they tried to sell right, off the right. oil, where American companies and uh, lesser than British companies were given full sale. They were the 100% own Iraqi well, companies. Well, we, we had were, to because they were supposed to, I mean, that was what was supposed to pay for the war. They were, uh, they were ordering <laughs> con- building concrete bunkers. And there were Iraqi um, concrete companies there, and they would import their concrete from outside of Iraq. Yeah. Right? They fired the audience. Well, entire I... Iraq civil service. Right? But I don't want to say that, but a good 60% of Iraq civil service. They, so thousands of other jobs. 
and you you know privatize the economy of Iraq, right? And you move safety nets and stuff like that. They put they, this was a, a breeding ground for Chicago style economics. What the two things that so of course that the people's hopelessness, lack of jobs, or whatever, and uh, you didn't restore any of the infrastructure, or whatever, and the thievery, or whatever. And secondly, to go again on the, on the next connected point where you have to get rid of the populism that the union leaders had. Yeah, the first election that they had in Iraq, they found that too many non-compliant people being elected right, we, small we had talked about this last week when, when so I mentioned we had the, the person that we wanted to, to go in place and it turned out that oh uh, the people actually didn't want that to happen yes <laughs> so they suspended that first yeah. election yeah. and that was when the Iraqis said okay so you all come to destroy our country and that's when shit went crazy yeah. it's the same yeah. pattern that happens everywhere it wasn't just the the sec- it wasn't just the Iraqis and they were crazy from the start. You can go back and look at the violence, the spike of the violence. It happened around a particular time when they went in and they put all these economies. The second thing I'm going to say, let me, okay, so you, you made the point. Uh, come okay, I just want to back up just a little bit on, on specifically the, the concrete, in, importing the, the concrete and everything. Yeah. Um, I know in Kuwait, they had to import sand. I mean, it's all sand, but the, the, the problem with from what I understand, the, the problem with the sand they have there is it's too salty. Um, it, it has too much stuff in it. And so they actually had to import it because it didn't make a good concrete. But this is in Iraq, where no, they no, had no, concrete, making con- concrete making exactly. contractors and huge um, factories. Okay. So, and, and this is, I'm just I, mean, using, I just use the concrete as an example. I know. There I, were I, many I just, other just, things. In, in, so, in some ways, some things are a little bit more complicated than, than It is, it is. But there were many out. other, there's an example. Okay. Men, but it wasn't Kuwait, you saying this was Iraqi concrete. Right. And I, Iraq has been around for It's been around a while. I don't care. You know, <laughs> at least a year, maybe, or two longer than America and most Western countries. I think <laughs> they know how to make concrete. Right? But no, but well. no, apart from the concrete, they, it was, this is just symptomatic of, it was just an example. Okay. Of all the, they would want um, window panes made, and there's a Iraq, Iraqi window pane company that employed ten thousand people, and they would go and import the window panes from an American yeah, 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 company, yeah, yeah. Hollywood, or whatever. And people kept seeing this, and of course, okay, so that's right. So they're bypassing the local economies. For, yes, uh, but that is a world typical Chicago. Yes, thing. Global. Right. Okay. Second point I'm going to make now. When you said we will create a crisis. Let me, from quoting from Naomi Kimes, um, paraphrasing, right? For years, there had been rumors that the international financial institutions had been dabbling in the act of pseudo-crisis in order to bend countries to their will, but it was difficult to prove. The most extensive testimony came from Davison Budu, an IMF staffer turned whistleblower, who accused the organization of cooking the books in order to doom the economy of a poor but strong will country. Okay. This is where He's this is where alive. it comes into place. <laughs> it, this is where it comes into place. This is a letter he wrote, and I'm going to read the letter. Today, I resigned from the staff of the International Monetary Fund after over 12 years, and after over a thousand days of official fund work in the field, hawking your medicine and your bag of tricks to governments and to peoples in Latin America and the Caribbean and Africa. To me. Resignation is a priceless liberation, for with it I have taken the first big step to that place where I may hope to wash my hands of what in my mind's eye is the blood of millions of poor and starving peoples. The blood is so much, you know, it runs in rivers, it dries up too, it cakes all over me. Sometimes I feel that there is not enough soap in the whole world to cleanse me from the things that I did in your name. And he went on to build this case. And look at it, listen to the case. That's, that's and pretty good writing. This is why, <laughs> this is why I, as a Trinidad, as a... For citizens of Trinidad and Tobago can comment on American politics. 
Budu accused the fund of using statistics as, a, as lethal weapons. He exhaustively documented how, as a fund employee in the mid-80s, he was involved in elaborate statistical malpractices to exaggerate the numbers in IMF reports on oil-rich Trinidad and Tobago in order to make the country look far less stable than it actually was. Budu contended that the IMF had more than doubled a crucial statistic measuring the labor course in the country, making it appear highly unproductive. Even though, as he said, the fund had the correct information on hand. He claimed that the fund invented, literally out of the blue, huge unpaid government debts. Those gross irregularities, which Budu claims were deliberate and not mere sloppy calculations, were taken as fact by the financial markets, which promptly classified Trinidad as a bad risk and cut off its financing. The country's economic problems, triggered by a drop in the price of oil, its primary export, quickly became calamitous and was forced to go to the IMF for a bail-off, for a bailout. And I can tell you, the book is saying this, but I lived through it mm. because that time like I was around 12, 11, 10, 11, 12, somewhere around that time when this was going on. The fund then demanded what Buddha described as the IMF deadly medicine, and this is Chicago-style economics, because you, you need to reduce money that is being paid to government workers and stuff like that, and because they need the money to pay the, the interest, the usurious interest of the IMF. So, as always happens, layoffs, wage cuts, and the whole gamut of structural adjustment policies. I can remember, even as a child, people but complain. I was pretty insulated, right. but people complain. Well, many jobs are lost, but people complaining about social services disappearing that have mm. never actually returned up to mm. now. And this, ha right? Since 1980s, these things have never returned. Like a lot of support for the elderly, and because and things like um, handicap support and stuff like that. A lot of these services were cut, and they have never returned because you know once you know once you take away some government spending, it is a dickens to get it back. Yeah. Um, even though the country has has to a large extent recovered, but um, he just described the process as a deliberate blocking of an economic lifeline to the country through subterfuge in order to see Trinidad and Tobago destroyed economically first and then converted thereafter and converted to the Chicago-style economics. Um, and after the letter was published, right, Budu, um, the, the government in Trinidad commissioned two independent studies to investigate the allegations and found that they were correct. The IMF had indeed inflated and fabricated numbers which tremendously, which tremendously damaged the results of the country. And I'm going to say it was capped off by a coup in 1990. Where Trinidad and Tobago, the people are as peaceful and not peaceful. The word I'm looking for is not peaceful. Trinidad and Tobago are dedicated. Yes, and you all don't <laughs> even understand. Our first part. Do you know what's the highest mark of a Trinidadian? Is the highest uh, one of the highest compliments you can pay to a Trinidadian is that there's a term that we call lime, L-I-M-E, which means you're able to enjoy life and on the spur of the moment. Put aside your primary concerns and subsume them on the altar of frivolity and silliness. <laughs> and so this a lime and a li so lime means at the snap of a finger, you can go and commit hours and hours and days to drinking and <laughs> wine, consumption, and mayhem, and you know, and silliness. Basically, and, and that's what right the highest marks of a Trinidadian. Trinidadians regularly work our nine to five hours or eight to four and not a second more and Trinidadians will disappear from work in the middle of the day for several hours we have the most holidays of any country on the face of the earth I mean we there's a as as people go laid back 
and non-activists. It's a non-activist type of people. All of those things. And such was the suffering in the country that it was actually a coup in Trinidad and Tobago. Which is to tell you, that is, the, that is what happens when it... And this is what I'm going to say now. Now that uh, many countries have seen the light of the day with the IMF and, and the World Bank and are no longer accepting loans, they need some fallow field in which to sow their seeds. And it appears to be the United States of America. Yay! And the other Western countries like Greece and Ireland and Spain. And right. that is why the austerity economics... Uh, being here, yeah, this this word austerity and it's going popular and popping up again because it's a new rebranding, right? So you have con- economies that are contracting, and we are going to be uh, against all economic theory that says they're going to contract more when you take money out of them. <laughs> we are going to slash wages, and we are going to take away. You hear all this talk from the Republicans about removing oh, minimum wage, everything, yeah, minimum wage, and then attacking. Social Security, which is fun, you know, and all that sort of stuff, and it has begun. Yep. So I'm just saying, um, Perry, get old, get old Perry. Let's get that fucker in. <laughs> it's on its way. No, but it's not just Perry. No, it's a, no, no, no. It, the it's, fucker is already in. Obama, yeah, Obama well, is yeah. from the Chicago side school. Larry Summers. His, uh, Summers, his name <laughs> features prominently in this book. I, I saw his name I think right. three oh, times. But Obama never came out and said that Social Security is a. But he put it on the table. Well, he did. That's true. Unasked. That's true. Unasked, he put it on the table. That's you. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) But Obama, you could have left the one. Uh, Had you left it on, I'd have said something silly. Obama, (laughs) Obama is definitely uh, in that school. They have adjusted some of their theories, right? Right. So it's it's not as, and some people, of course. To make it slightly more palatable. And, And also, there are always degrees. Some people might not be as steeped in a theory as somebody still steeped in it enough that is harmful to the economy but Obama putting you, Obama clearly you know when he puts um, traditional things that were always handled for the Democrats on the table you clearly know that he believes in these market policies yeah. and and when one big thing they love to do is reduce debt because okay. debt of the debt of a country does affect the the money makers because it affects interest yeah, rates and yeah, stuff yeah, like absolutely. that. So that is why the money makers they're concerned about that. And it's you know it's not it doesn't really affect the rest of the country, but it affects those at the top. You know so it, it, it's coming. They're bringing it here. They, and they're bringing it to they're bringing it to the western countries. So now they've abused the brown countries and the brown countries finally realize, well you know what we need to stop boring. There's going to be that. a huge flip flop in the in global economics. But yeah. we still have the the uh, most versatile Weapons. military, yeah. <laughs> so we can just blow the shit out of anybody that we want. So that is so true. don't get don't get too rich, brown countries, because we will come. <laughs> that is true. Don't get too uppity. <laughs> don't start saying that that your wine tastes better than our California wine. The only people who can say that the are the Chile. French. Do you know why? The Chilean wine. Because they're stinky and white. <laughs> and they earned it traditionally. That's right. They have earned it because they've got um, castles. <laughs> and Gaelic and, 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 and the people in South America, they only have pyramids, and they're overgrown anyway. They, they left yes. them they left them to uh, They didn't to take lie. care of those yeah. pyramids. All right. They should have. So that was that section there. Well, I'm but, depressed. But what do you think? But, but you see, <laughs> you see the... 
and, and what 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 is important that I was saying all of this, right? Gary hadn't read the book, and Gary and was preemptively uh, making. I can see where it's going. Yeah, <laughs> and you see, and it's it, obvious. Yeah, yeah, but it's it is isn't it obvious? Yeah, isn't it is obvious? It's to, scarily uh, obvious. Yeah, I think I think I need to uh, give that book to my father. But, see what he says about it. <laughs> I don't think he's going to read much of it because it is so antithetical to, un, you know, to his stances. That do, does he want to read um, oh, things, oh, that, about things that are against it? No, yeah. of course not. No, no. He's he's only going for the uh, for the positive reinforcement. These right. days. intelligent design, positive reinforcement. We, we all like a good echo chamber. Yeah. All right. Uh, you, you you tend to support things that buttress your current position. You tend mm. to read right, and, 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 and so you know from like the the IMF and and then basically how the Republican thing. There, there seems to be that whole self-serving cycle of yeah. we believe this and this supports yeah. that and so that's why I think both sides have gotten a little bit further and further away from a centrist kind of thing because they're always looking at their own data to support themselves rather right. than looking at the data that, that negates definitely um, so so we're now we've been recording and I came in on that uh, on the small break we started talking Andre and I started talking about uh, uh, biases and approaching the biases and, and having an open mind and critical thinking towards stuff that you believe and how in psychology we find that people will, instead of, uh, once they become, come to a position or a belief or, or well, we just say position just yeah. a, as a broad term, uh, we will find ways to support that position yeah. rather than look at ways that might possibly poke holes yeah. in that position. We'll pass information um, and pick up, cherry pick the points that support your information. You'll 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 pass your friends. Right. You will you know you'll... you won't hang around with yeah, people that disagree definitely. with you. Um, and and we're saying that we have a friend that that kind of does that, or I have a friend, and you have an acquaintance, I guess. <laughs> definitely. And but I do it all the time, and all because we I find it very difficult to read. Uh, like right wing rhetoric, mainly because of the rhetoric, not so much because of the the, the policies, I, but the way they approach the policies offends me. And I have to say yes, <laughs> and I have to say a lot of the right wing stuff is very um fact light, right? Very fact light, yeah. um, and very heavy in in very heavy in anecdotal evidence and stuff, right? Like and in emotional language, yes, and yes. not not so much on the data and. What I've really seen, and unfortunately, you you see it on both sides, but I see it a lot more, I think, on the right because the data doesn't back them up. Is they At tend all. to skew the data. Yes, I mean, unfairly. If how 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 often do you hear criticisms about the left and progressives uh, about faulty data? The right does not do it. Because it has to do with citing rare. sources. It is we cite sources, and it, but we don't. But even we don't screw data. We present data correctly. It, you know, one thing about the left, I would say, because it's an it's an intellectual climate to the, to the greater extent, we support science. We support science. Right. And and one thing I'm going to say is that one thing that science has um, really uh, brought to the pro. Uh, to this progressive side is rigidity. As a scientist, and I hesitate to say, but I, you know, 
I am some sort of scientist. Well, you have a, the the right? mindset. Yeah, I know I'm a scientist. Right. I'm saying I, I might well, be. You a, are. I might be a poor one, and and you're an engineer, but you you do learn to challenge yourself. Yes. You do. You have to, and that is one reason I take great comfort in the fact that most the vast majority of scientists, um, I guess like the ones that reach like PhD level or whatever. Are progressive and liberal leaning, right. and it's and it and what it says to me is that liberal arg- arguments stand up to examination because if there's one thing you have to be as a scientist is that you have your stuff is constantly examined by your peers, right. constantly reviewed for any you know any work of yours to get published, it is peer reviewed, which means people who are times adversarial to you. People who at times very familiar with the topic, people who at times are trying to get a leg up on you and publishing something, but they review your work and they deem it good enough to put into the public, um, in, into scientific history, into, you right. know, in, in, right. in, into the zeitgeist, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, as I said, you, you grow to realize how fallible you are. Um, you know, I I have gone through the process of getting many of my papers rejected, and my my who was in my theory spoke. Um, you know, as many holes poked as as a sieve by my professor, sometimes it's horribly insulting, um, and you, you 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 know you do get offended at times. But and it, it, uh, the more the longer you spend, you feel the more you realize that you know what though, it's important. It, it is important, and but the more you realize how how little you know, yeah. and how much you know you work you have to put in to to arrive at facts, and how much research is important, and how. And then, and then you start applying to other, th- other things and things in life. And I realize I've grown, the longer I've spent um, doing research, the more I've been able to reset my positions and to be open to, you know, to challenging points of view. But I think that that was one of the, the things that was so attractive about uh, Obama when he was running is one of the things he said, and certainly some of the blogs I followed, and I thought it was fairly cool, is he said, you know, we'll put science back where it belongs as on the table. Yeah. And so we're going to have a, uh evidence-based uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, science policy, which is something that the previous administration did not have. Oh, my God, no. And, and so now if you look at the current running, you have Obama who's kind of – Done some good things on the science side, but at the same time he's put everything on the chopping block. Right, and, but, but but at least he is he is not contemptuous of the science of the, of the right, scientific right. process and exactly like you yeah. know he, he accepts that the global warming the data shows that global warming yeah. is happening. Yes, yes, Whereas, with the exception con- of one person on the Republican side, Huntsman, right? Bill Huntsman, John Huntsman, John, uh, yeah, John, John. John Huntsman, uh, open contempt. Our, Totally unscientific. Yes. Open contemptful for learning and, and intellectualism. Yeah. Open. And it's just and it's disheartening to me. I and uh, I, I know Phil Plate, who writes the Bad Astronomy, um, wrote about John uh, Huntsman saying, "Why? How is this so amazing? You know, you can't tell if the reason he's being he's saying all this stuff is to put himself out out from the crowd." Right. Or whether he actually believes what he's saying. <laughs> it's, it's, it's become so bad now. It's become so bad on because just side, to say, be cynical just about to, somebody talking the truth. Right. And so it's, yeah. uh, uh, it's like, what do you believe? You know, you you can't you that you just can't trust him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think from Judge John Huntsman's background, he seems to be a servant of the state, and a servant. I mean, of America. 
where yeah. he was willing and he's been he has spent so much of his life doing ambassadorships even under Obama and stuff like that and he seems to be uh, genuine in his beliefs and I would think he really meant that and he, he knows he has no chance yeah. uh, even before that he knew he had no chance and having said that he knew he had zero chance of making any progress but it was important to him I guess not to pander so kudos to him right. if there sure. were to be an America to be a president yeah. um, for, I would Vastly prefer him to anyone else. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So, so you gonna do some quick hits? I saw. Uh, huh? I, I see yeah, you, yeah. you outlined some stuff in orange. Oh, by the way, yeah. um, how did your visit to um, the Ranger Creek Brewery too? You know, oh, that was really, really quite nice. I you still get, maintain. Listen, it was only ten. It was only ten dollars, and I got a mug. Oh, it wasn't twenty dollars. It wasn't twenty dollars. You got three drinks. I got three and a half drinks. Okay, okay. Because, because they, they gave me a porter, and it only went like up. Uh, three quarter of the way because yeah. it was very very foamy very, very heady and so I went back in completely basically drunk and I said you said you tap you know top it off this was before the tour and he's like okay so we tapped it off and that was you know three quarter drink so it was awesome awesome I, I, to, I'm saying twenty dollars would have been highway robbery because yeah, well, yes, yes, it is a brewery so. and I'm guessing they pretty much produce a beer for like a dollar a cup. Probably, yeah. yeah. Right? It, it's not a very big one. They have four vats of 950 right. liters, I think. Right, but you can't because when I used to make beer, um, we could we can we get 50 beers, and we think we worked out it would cost us like 50 cents a beer. Yeah, well, that's that's about average price for, uh, uh, it, that's what they sell it for on you know before they do all the markups. So beer is only about 50 cents each. Oh, okay. so yeah, you imagine that. There's probably actually a little bit cheaper. Well, for them, probably it's probably about 50%. Right. Yeah. So I was horrified when you said that... Um, $20. Yeah, yeah you are paying $20. I was like, all right, and you, and, you, and you said, and you sometimes you both said, but we get three beers, and I was like, but you still get yeah. robbed by like $18. See, this, is, this is how closely I read some of the things that I'm doing. I just kind of do it and, and hope for the best sometimes. But was it a good turn out? Like, how many of you were in the tour? There were there? about 35 of us. Any attractive young ladies? Yes, there were. Yes, hello, attractive young lady. I, I hope you come out Wednesday, attractive young lady. Specific, one specific, well, two specifics. Right. They're not listening. Shut up. And, <laughs> They're not the listening and talk at all. And talk about the orange. <laughs> that orange is thinking your people. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's yeah, do some so, quick hits. So this actually follows in line, kind of, with what we were talking about in the IMF and, and uh, the Chicago s School of Thought. Uh, there's a guy named Harvey Golub. Golub, glub, whatever. And he wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal uh, going back to uh, Warren Buffett yeah. and Obama. Uh, Warren Buffett uh, asking Obama to tax him more because he's only paying about 17% on his income. Yeah, right. Um, this is Sadie Table, Warren Buffett, um, billionaire. Yeah, multi-billionaire. Yes, yeah. making the point that um, the investors rich. and people, yes, people who live off of capital gains um, pay vastly less than people who earn their income by working. Right. Um, probably what's the order of about twenty percent less. Yeah, let's say, let's average. just say half, because yeah, he said that he says he pays about fifteen, and his his housemaid pays thirty-one. Right. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's jump in there. All right. And of course, the whole point is that you know a billionaire. You know, 30% from a billion is, uh, it looks like a large number, but comparatively to what's coming in is 
percentage-wise, right. a hell of a lot not hurting the person as right. opposed to someone making $30,000 Because you have discretionary income, right? Everybody has a certain, has a basic amount that they need to live on, and beyond that, your income is discretionary. You make thirty grand a year, your discretionary income is very little, so taxes, anything we take from you is as a percentage of what you of your discretionary income is very high. A billionaire could only live on even spending wildly. His discretionary income is huge. Right. So, you know. This, You're this, not a country, yeah. Mr. Golub. Anyway, so he starts out, over the years I have paid a significant portion of my income to the various federal, state, and local jurisdictions of which I have lived. I deeply resent that President Obama has decided that I don't need all the money I've not paid taxes in or I've not paid in taxes over the years, or that I should leave less for my children and grandchildren and give more to him to spend as he thinks fit. I also resent that Warren Buffett and others who have created massive wealth for themselves think I am, quote, coddled, end quote, because they believe they should pay more in taxes. I certainly don't feel coddled because these various governments have not imposed a higher income tax. After all, I did earn it. Um... Not necessarily. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, Gullup, first thing, how did he earn his money? Um, yeah. Gullup, you have never come up with an idea. You have never invented anything. You have never physically created anything with your two hands. You do not get back injuries from lifting heavy cases. You do not get poisoning from working in mines underground. Your life is not in danger because you're not a policeman nor you're a fireman. You earn your money by shifting money around and lifting, living on the margins of those trades. And you got there by luck. Hard, hard work. I mean, granted, you probably spent 12-hour days crunching numbers. Luck of birth. Of luck of birth and uh, people that you met in school. And at the risk of being um, um, the recipients of litigation, litigation, um, I would say that you probably got it from not a little bit of chicanery. Quite possibly. (laughs) So he goes on. We're not going to... It's not very long, but we'll just go through. Yeah, what the hell. Now that I'm 72 years old, I can look forward to paying a significant portion of my accumulated wealth in estate taxes to the federal government and, depending on the state I live live in at the time, to that state government as well. Of my current income this year, I love this part, I expect to pay 80% to 90% in federal income taxes, state income taxes, Social Security and Medicare taxes, and federal and state estate and state estate taxes. Isn't that enough? Where does he live? Uh, Who in the world? <laughs> nobody pays 80 to 90 What are you doing? You, you worked. You were the uh, CEO of... No, you were the chairman of AIG. Which, uh, Mr. Gollum. And cue all the jokes. No wonder AIG. Yeah, yeah. We're, 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 even, we're not even going to make fun of that. You are the chairman of the board... A former chairman and CEO of American Express, American Express Financial Services, and you're paying eighty-nine to ninety percent. You claim you're paying. You must not have you any. You are a moron. You must not have an accountant. You must not have a financial manager, <laughs> Mr. Gullab. Then why get up and go to work? I, I suspect, Mr. Gullab, that on that ten percent that you live, like, you can. You, <laughs> now, now the Wall Street Journal. Had another guy, Brett Ahrens. Did anybody call him an ass? Or did anybody call him out? Uh, yeah, a lot of people have called him out. Okay. Uh, so, so Brett Ahrens, in rebuttal to call for higher taxes, you wrote, 
89%. He goes, yikes, you came to the right place. We're here to help. Uh, you must have about $100 million in the bank. After all, you were a high-earning corporate honcho for decades, blah, 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 blah. Worked at a senior partner in McKinsey, chief executive of American Express, and chairman of Campbell Soup. Okay. Uh, so according to the proxy statements from American Express, you were collected about $50 million in salary bonus and stock options in one year, 1999. Um, so you're mainly living off of investments, but I would assume that you're earning several million a year. Where are you living? Cuba? 80-90%? The top rate... <laughs> Top rate of federal income tax is thirty five percent. Is he is he by chance living in a country that we don't know? That might be X. The poor man might need Social Security tops out at around thirteen thousand dollars. Eleven thousand dollars this year. So that's not even one percent of one percent of your bullshit salary. Uh, New York, where he lives, I guess. Maximum of 12.8% in state taxes. So they go through this and they figure out maximum you're making, you're, you're spending 65% of your, or, or you're taxing 65% of your income. That's maximum with all taxes included. I think they're just adding them together. Yeah, because yeah, they add them together because I still think 65% is way, way too much. For somebody, for, for things like capital gains, I am thinking he is around twenty percent. Yeah, yeah. Because none of them ever get up to anything more. He—he's yeah. ahead of the fucking financial. But, but much like John Kyle, who said ninety percent of abortions that take that are the business right. yeah, of Planned Parenthood, when he really didn't mean that to be taken uh, as a factual yes. statement. So first of all, Mr. Gallup, you have lied. But as an out and out lie, either that. Or you should have all of your stock options taken away because you are a moron. And 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 you should be kicked off of all of the boards and be kicked out and, and live on the street because you do not deserve your status, place in life, because you are an idiot. Yeah, that, that 89% in taxes. Well, you see, you're, you're, so you're, you kick off with a lie there. Really, should I believe anything else that you say in the rest of okay. your screen? All right, so... So isn't that enough? And he says, others could pay higher taxes if they chose. They could write a check. They could also pay higher taxes if they wanted to. This is true. If you want to, you can you can yeah, uh, give yeah. the government money. Uh, okay. Um, okay, so he goes, what gets me ups most upset is two other things about this argument. The unfair way taxes are collected and the violation of the implicit social contract between me and my government that my taxes will be spent effectively and efficiently on, on purposes that support the general needs of the country. Before you call me greedy, make sure you operate fairly on both fronts. Well, no. And then, no. He, then he listed some shit there that um, they should... <laughs> I, he did. A, he went on an attack, right? Isn't there a paragraph that he went on an attack and listed some stuff that he thought was unjust? Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so let's go down to what he thinks. Um, we'll skip the two hundred fifty thousand people who earn one million dollars or more, pay twenty percent of all income tax, and three percent pay two hundred thousand, pay almost half. Yeah. That's just okay, okay. So let's move down to the stuff that he thinks we don't need. Um. He says, uh, governments have an obligation to spend our tax money on programs that work. They fail, okay, they, they support DARPA, first of all, mm. um, which is a very, very important. They don't always work, but it has some 
There's always interesting applications and good stuff comes out of it. You never know what you're going to do when you do basic research. The space program, you may think that that was a waste of money, but we got all kinds of medical advances, technological advances from that. We our, our money is well spent in that. Now, all of that went to private industry. Huh. So, frankly, Golub, fuck you. So. No, but, but, but actually, all of that did go to private industry. It did. Because it which is, is well known that the, um, the, uh, the National Science Foundation and all of that, when they, all that research um, is that, that this National Science Foundation and DARPA and they do, it is eventually sucked up by companies and sold cheaply to right. um, companies and they profit off of it. Right. Right. And, and, and some of the scientists uh, have the the, uh, the patents on it, so the company probably gets the, a couple of the patents, so they get money residuals yeah. off of that. But then it goes out to private industry. I mean, microwave yeah. microwave yeah. ovens. That was you know that's a that's a, literally My, a space age technology. Microwave ovens, cell phones, the, inter, as I, let's In the internet. Can we, do we need to stress the okay. internet? Uh, uh, lots of medical biomedical stuff. Okay, so. Do we really need dozens of retraining programs with no measure of performance or results? Uh, yeah. yeah, that could be nice. I would say more. You don't have to worry with your with your platinum parachute. Although it'd suck if that platinum parachute fell on you and crushed you. Do we really need money? Do we need? Do we really need to spend money on solar panels, windmills, and battery-operated cars when we have ample energy supplies in this country? Where? For now, perhaps. Tracking? Fracking and releasing, right. um, um, you know, fl- flammable tap water in people's house. Shale, um, what's this thing they're doing with Canada when they, um, they're doing um, the, sh- the oil, the, oil from yeah. the shale, from yeah, the yeah. shale field? What's that called? Yeah. What? Ah, you're talking Strip about mining. BP offshore, um, deep sea mine, d- but, but deep sea my, drilling for oil, my, my, coal, <laughs> right? You remember when it's when um, California used to be smoggy. Right. You know, before they stepped in in the 70s and 80s. And, oh, and we'll, pro- we'll, we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. That's coming up. Uh, but, I mean, as far as battery-operated cars, windmill solar panels, the, the one thing that I always say as a person who actually goes outside and enjoys the outdoors is walking next to a street and just being inundated with all the carbon monoxide, all of the gases, uh, all of the smells... Uh, it makes it very difficult to just have a, enjoy the outside. Uh, having a renewable and less pollution, less pollutant uh, so energy can. source society mm-hmm. would make our standard of living that much higher. And it's not just standard of living; it's just to forget standard of living. They just talk about how it affects the, the climate. Globally. Even even the climate, yeah. But right. they don't want to hear about that because that's global warming. Okay, so I'm just talking about walking down the street. All right. So, do we? Uh, so, uh, do we really need all the regulations that put an estimated two trillion dollar burden on our economy by raising the price of things we buy? Now, he is, of course, talking about the Environmental Protection Agency. He's talking about building codes and standards and people coming in and checking to make sure your house isn't going to fall down. Now, this goes right back to what you were talking about earlier with the um, completely deregulate everything and the truth will win out. But we see in so many countries where there are no regulations that people are living in shanty towns, uh, lean-tos. Let's do something just like... um Code, um, building codes for for um for high for, rises. Yeah, 
let's say, you know what, it's cheaper for me not to reinforce my, to make my building earthquake resistant. Right. So let me not do that in, in California, you know, things like that. And because the company's going to gamble, you know what, I'm going to build this building. I'm going to be out of here long before. Yeah, how, how often do we really have a... But you know what? If 10,000 people die using Company X, then people will know in the future to buy from Company Y. So the market will take care of that after 10,000 people have a building collapse on them. Because people are, yeah, people are just numbers. Uh, you know, they, the market will take care of everything. The market will, will determine who is poisoning their people with rotten meat. And therefore, we will buy food from the non-rotten meat. Right. So, so people get sick and some people die. Yeah. But, you know, they all have health care. It's fine. But, he, oh, <laughs> but <it's, laughs> you, know what is, you know what? That's an interesting game to play. Like, you can start off, right, with one problem. And just a and domino go, effect. Yeah. Asking down. Yeah. Because, yeah. The health, yeah, people have health care, so that's fine. For, for, for want of a nail. Oh, yeah. For one. You know what? We have to play that game. We have to make that note to play for want of a nail and see how. Oh, that'd, be, um, that'd be a good segment. Yeah, for want of a nail. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna write that down. We should write it down. I'm gonna write it down. I, I would I'm write writing it. it down. This this makes fascinating podcasting. You're gonna throw that piece of paper. For after. want of a nail. Now, can you read that? No, because it's written on my knee. Okay. <laughs> but I'll, I'm sure I'll I'll remember it when I'm when I'm editing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in the last one, oh no, wait, wait. This is the last one in the paragraph. Do we really need subsidies for domestic sugar farmers and ethanol producers? Actually, no, we don't. I think I think yeah, in that, that case, that one, one. yeah, I think I think you could probably do away with some of the subsidies because ethanol is what well, that, that's a that's a poor substitute for fuel anyway. Now what I'm gonna say, Tybus, is if I take a shit out in the woods, eventually it turns into some sort of fertilizer. Right. So, you know, every bit of, you know, all that crap you said, there must be some nugget of sense in it somewhere. <laughs> so don't, let's not praise them for that, though. That's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we, okay, that, that's what, I'll give, I'll give you that one. <laughs> Completely without, yeah, we don't, you know, fuck this, fuck, this, fuck the sugar farmers. He probably only says that because he sells um, corn. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's right. He has investments in um, wheat. Poor yeah. futures. Yeah. <laughs> in wheat futures and he's in pure and oil, you know? So that's the only reason he probably said that. That's right. And as he doesn't he doesn't actually say anything about the subsidies for the oil. Companies. No, 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 yeah. Yeah. So so um uh you're also uh you're being oh what's what's the word? Disingenuous, Mr. Gollum. Goebbels? No, Golem. <laughs> Sorry, Golan. Oh, that's why I'm Gobas. That's why I'm Gobas. <laughs> I'm sorry, my 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 dyslexia. <laughs> I I've never been actually diagnosed with dyslexia, but in this case, it kind of works. Okay. Is it healthcare? If if you have better healthcare, you might be diagnosed with dyslexia. And yes, I did. I dis. I just did invoke the Nazis, um, in that. So yes, I have uh, see, a Godwin to myself. You just killed the entire. I, I, fucking... I lost. I lost. You didn't have to say it though. But that was funny. All right. Why do require? Why do we require that public projects pay above market labor costs? Why do we spend billions on trains that no one will ride? Okay, I would ride the train if they made it efficient for me to get from A to B. But currently, Amtrak is a third country national on the rails. They have to pull over for freight. So to get, 
it, would, it, it takes you 8 to 12 hours to get from... Is that really true? That's true. To get from San Antonio to Dallas, it takes you 8 to 12 hours. I can drive it in 4. This country... Granted, I have to speed to get there in 4, but... <laughs> I can't believe that's what they do. Yeah. So the, the Amtrak actually has to pull up, because we don't have dual, right? It's mainly one, you know, it's a two-way street. So... Amtrak has to pull over so the freight can get to the left and the right. So not the anything the hamstring, yeah, the tr- yeah, they, they, yeah. So, so that was oh, that was the regulations. Uh, that would be the uh, producer. Okay. So, um, why do we keep post offices open in places <laughs> no one lives? Um, I don't think that's true. I don't think so either. I don't think that's true. Uh, I would think that is patently false. Where is their post office? Well, they they are closing a lot of small post offices now. People live there, and and you know what? They did build a post. I remember seeing a post office way up to eighty one, before any before the uh, subdivision was built. So they built the post office first, and uh, and they they obviously staffed yeah. it. But it you know, but that's called pre planning, and people moved out there, and now it's actually a fairly. There are no post offices where people yeah. live. I refuse to believe in a. T- that they have post offices where no one lives. If there's a town of 10 people and you have a post office, there should be a post office there. Right. If there's no one, then then there will not be a post. If there's one person, there should be a post office. Where, where the fuck will he get his mail from? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, why do we subsidize small airports and communities close to larger ones? <laughs> um, because not everybody has a Learjet fuckwad. Uh... Why do we yes? Why do we pay government workers above market rates and and outlandish benefits? Patent. Oh, when I read I read about outlandish benefits and my blood boiled. First thing you mean like healthcare? Government workers compare um on the same level as private as private workers get paid less. I think they get paid about twenty percent less than private workers. Harder to fire them, however. Right, but you should, you should have some job security. Um, and what are these outlandish benefits you're talking about? The fact that people well, he doesn't he doesn't say no, but if I would, that's what they're talking about is the fact that firemen and policemen have reasonable pensions. Oh yeah, now we have a friend in common uh, who is a fireman, and they have to buy they their firehouse. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't get subsidies for toilet paper. They have to buy their own toilet paper. No. They have to pay for their own food. This is amazing. And they're, they're on call, what, two days? Is it 24 hours? 48 hours on, 12 hours off. Or 24 hours off. And they get overtime. But they have to per, they have to provide all of the sundries. Toilet paper. They have to provide all of the sundries for the uh, for the firehouse. That is so that's, out, that's that outlandish is, benefits right how, there. Yeah. Listen, how... Granted, he, I think he makes like you know forty or fifty thousand dollars a year. Oh, obviously, Actually, probably. I think he makes like obviously oh, a plutocrat. Okay. Yeah. So so he's way up there, <laughs> and he's probably only paying you know thirty one percent in taxes. So fuck him. Oh. <laughs> and now my my favorite one. My favorite one. This one. This one always gets me. Do we really need an energy department <laughs> or an education department at all? Well, you've already got educated through this education department, so obviously. But I suppose you don't. he would argue that he probably went to private schools. 
Oh, you probably he probably did. And you know, so, I don't know. I th- I think that he may have actually struggled up from middle class. <laughs> you think that's fantastic? You know what I wonder? Like, will they, do they imagine that in perpetuity their families will always be well off? Well, I, I love the fact that he earned it, but he's going to give it all of his wealth to his his freeloading family. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I just called your sons and daughters and grandchildren freeloaders, Gollum. I know, Gollum, that you're stolen enough to probably support three generations, but you really think it, your, your grandchildren are going to have any of that money left? Well, you know what? They probably Actually, will. Well, they, they probably will. Because it has been shown well, that... Well, because Paris Hilton, she's not the daughter. She's the she's the third generation yeah. of the Hiltons, right? Yeah. It was, I think I'm further along. Did she earn that? I guess she did. I, I guess she earned her place because she came out of her mother's vagina. And that sperm worked hard to find that vagina. Now, it might not have been her father's sperm. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen them together. Um... I don't know who your children are. You might have been an insult to um, the guy who's supposed to be a dad, but I wouldn't think it's an insult. Okay, that's not mine. So, okay. so he says, you know, at the end, here's my message before you quote: ask for more tax money from me and others. Raise the 2.2 trillion you already collect each year more fairly and spend it more wisely. Then you need less of my money. Now, there, there is a, a YouTube channel called Mock the Dummy, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I have subscribed to them because they kind of mock the uh, Tea Party the whole time, and so he actually he actually has a uh, a response from the dummy uh, Golub, and his whole thing is it's not fair, it's not fair, which is basically the whole thing that he has to spend so much more money, literal cash, as opposed to a person who's making twenty four. Because a lot of people in this country don't make more than $40,000 a year. I would say a lot the majority. of people. And so when you take away 31% of their income... Okay, granted, people below 24... I think it's 24,000 is the, is the people who don't pay taxes. For example, I don't pay taxes because I'm not actually earning any money. I'm li- or I've already paid all the taxes on the money that I have earned. Right. Um, that I've been spending for the last five years right. trying to get my business but going. It. Right. So, um, so yeah, I, I I pay taxes on I pay my state taxes. Right. Uh, I pay my estate taxes. You have to be state taxes too. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, my my uh, uh, what's it called? My my escrow account pays pays my uh, yeah. I have to pay that. Even though you've earned the money already. Yeah, because um, didn't you pay state taxes on it then? Uh. No, because on on the house, on the mortgage. Oh, on the house and stuff. Oh, that kind of here. But you know, I I pay I pay state taxes whenever I purchase my food. Yeah, uh, Yeah, my gas. Of course. Uh, when I I register my automobiles. Yeah, all of this thing of taxes. You know, so I'm I'm paying taxes. That's what does, and that's that's the canard that they like to say that people don't pay tax. You always pay taxes. Everything has taxes on it. Yeah, and and that's uh, there's another guy. And those taxes are highly regressive. Because yes. those taxes don't care whether you make ten dollars an hour or ten billion dollars an hour. It's the same tax when you go and you know get your license and that kind of stuff. It's the same tax exactly. when you buy a Snickers bar. It's the same, you know. Exactly. Don't worry about those assholes. What I want to say is Pat Robinson said that the crack in the Washington oh, Monument. 
is a sign from God. Uh, remember that earthquake? What was it two weeks ago? It's about two weeks ago. And there's a crack Virginia. in Washington. He says it's a sign from God. No, what I'm saying, does there a crack in, the, in Washington Monument's ass? Because that original crack. <laughs> was, that, was that a sign from God? Okay. He completely ignored the fact that the National Cathedral actually had stuff fall off. Why didn't he say... But that's Catholic. Oh, that's right. He believes that Catholics aren't real Christians. Yeah, they're going to go to hell. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I I forgot. And yet... But that's supposed to be a holy place. He said... Jesus said it's a crack. No, it's not holy. Listen. Unless you are... uh, Born again. Whatever he is. He's a born again. Right. Yeah. Your shit does not count. So uh, a Catholic church is not holy. Okay. You're right. You're right. My bad. He My said bad. the crack was symbolic likeness to the biblical story of a large curtain tearing as Jesus cried out during his crucifixion. <laughs> and also, Michelle Bachman um, jumped onto that bandwagon and oh. also said that the hurricane was a sign from God. So, dude, you, this must be fantastic she, being a fucking... And, and uh, she thinks... Now, what I love about this is she said it. She says it as a joke. But she, oh, was she being joking? Did you see her? Did you see her? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, sure she looked like she it's was joking? Not, it's not funny. Well, yeah, because she is kind of making... She, it's like half and half. She's making the joke, but she's making the point. I it's kind of know, a joke, but, it, but I really mean it, but I'm not really. I didn't know Michelle Bachman was capable of being talking. Well, oh, no. She, that she, raises my estimation of her. Uh, Bachman says that she has a great sense of humor. Oh, okay. She's, what if she says? And who are we to disbelieve her? <laughs> I mean, this joke was great. <laughs> and and when I laughing. heard her say this, this is what makes it so hard. There's a, there's a, a thing called a Poe. Which is a satirical look of a fundamentalist. Mm. So it's a guy poking fun at fundamentalism by going more extreme than the fundamentalist. Okay. Now the problem with a Poe and the whole thing about it is, it's it's impossible to tell a Poe without a wink. Yeah. And so this is why it's so difficult because Bachman is a fundamentalist, but you had no idea that she was joking. Oh what? But now, that seems totally in line with what, with like, with what they would. I would imagine. swear she has said something like this before. I didn't know she was joking. Yeah. Okay. Well, they, that's the thing. They had to tell people that she was joking. The, ca- the campaign had to release it today. And I think it's hilarious to make fun of uh, a storm yeah. where 36 people As of people today, died. Four, oh, oh, as of 40. this morning, 40. Yeah. It keeps going up every day. So great. I- I'm so glad that the, that the far right is making light of... Not necessarily the worst disaster that's happened to the East. I mean, why don't you make fun of Katrina? I mean, how many people died oh, in did. Katrina? They didn't make fun of it. Didn't you hear yeah. all those bastards on TV, um, yeah, the limbo and all of them talking shit? Oh, and even Barbara Bush um, said that um, the people, you know, because remember thousands of people were staying inside of the, um, the New Orleans, the dome, what was that dome? Uh, the New Orleans Army, yeah. Yeah. Um, thousands of people would be hungry and stuff, whatever. And she was saying, "This is pretty good. This is pretty good for some of them because a lot of them live life worse yes. than that on the outside." Barbara Bush said that Barbara Bush, on radio, yeah. or some interview somewhere, or yeah, TV they, or they radio, something. So they're, disgusting. All crude. You reprehensible. Right. So I need to stop using disgusting. It's reprehensible. That you keep using disgusting. <laughs> I'm going to say that. Yeah. You know? And one more thing I wanted to talk about: this monumental ass, Rick Scott. Rick right? Scott. Yes, Susie Governor, um, the Republican governor of Florida. 
right? Yeah. Also, well, of course, needless to say, it's like, is oh, it, wait a minute, he's was it needful to say? What happened to what happened to Jeb? Was it needed? Yeah, Jeb Jeb stepped out because I think he's gonna. Are you think he's running for another season in the year after? I think he's gonna come to under sixteen when um, we've forgotten George a little bit more. But and you yeah. say Rick's cousin. Now that we get Perry in, say, <laughs> I think they, they resemble each other to a strong degree. Officially, don't yeah, they? Yeah, 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 they do. That's because they have those slow eyes. <laughs> <laughs> they do have these kind of. They, you know, they, actually, they have those creepy, crazy eyes. But yeah. Anyway, uh, talk, let's talk about uh, Rick Slick. What's his name? Rick, Rick Scott. Tea Party. Oh, so a tea pa- Of course, a tea party. Yeah. Um, so you remember, I spoke about this. I'm pretty sure he signed a bill back in June requiring requiring the state's welfare welfare recipients to undergo drug, drug testing, testing analysis. Right, right. Um, totally coincidental. Rick Scott and his wife have a chain of clinics that <laughs> um, the urinalysis um, is, is being performed at. Oh, well, that's handy. They own a chain of clinics that, is, but totally coincidental, right? Oh, absolutely. Now. It was projected at that time that this. Do they also cure the gay? This. <laughs> no, that's a completely different. Never mind. No, that's Bachman's. Okay, yeah, that's, that's Marcus. Yeah. That's Marcus B. But they, they. Um, it was postulated at that time. Uh, projections showed that this was going to cost the taxpayer money, right? Of course, because I mean, hey, less government, right? But yeah. <laughs> Less, except, uh, course, except, except in the womb. Except it's more government. No, it's less government, but except it's more government because now we need to require. Well, it's not really more government because it's private industry that's doing the testing. It's all... <laughs> true. That is true. That is true. You're it's right. Just that you have to pay for it. You're right. You're right. So yeah. So what happens with this program is that you, in order to get welfare, you have to pay for your own test, and if you pass a test, um, with meaning you have no drugs detected, then you get a refund. Right, and then you can get your welfare. So that's what happens. So you get a free test as long as you don't have drugs in your system. Yeah, it's not, and it's not, it's not free for the state because the state has to pay for it. Well, right, and then the state has to pay for it, and they have to hire someone to actually uh, stamp off on. on yes, I assume, or at least, well, maybe they didn't hire someone; it just made someone spend more hours. Send me a. Oh, well, maybe a business, maybe the a private company did it. That's so this is not point. government, as long as the thing is, as long, it's not government as long as you pay some a private company to do it. That's right. As long it as the private company, it's costing the state money, but as long as a private company doing it. Right, because the government will save more in the long run because they won't actually have to pay for health care or four hundred one k or or actually pay. Forget forget the profit that they're private. Yeah. The company is going to be charging one hundred twenty five thousand dollars per person <laughs> of the government every year. That is neither here nor there. Paying the poor monkey guy uh, $40,000 a year. That is neither here nor there. All right? (laughs) But that's what's what's happening. So let me tell you what happened. Of the thousands of... Oh, it's also... This is also shockingly... um, You know, it it steps all over. It tramples all over. uh, What, the First Amendment, right? What's the one about searches or illegal? Fourth. Fourth, right? Whatever. Fourth Amendment, yeah. I don't know them. Illegal search. But yeah, yeah. yeah, it's Fourth Amendment. And it's because it's all, never been proven that welfare recipients take drugs at a higher rate than the rest of society. <laughs> so this is totally unfounded. So this is just more... Well, one, um, this is Rick Scott lining up himself as a Tea Party favorite, and he's probably going to make a big, try to make a bigger jump in the future. And he's using this. And he's also this is also him funneling money to his clinics. Make no mistake. I do, I do not understand 
how he isn't being brought before some kind of um, well, ethics everyone, committee for this. Everyone knows, but you can't do this. I mean, but he's doing this. It's common knowledge. He's doing that, but this is this is beyond. <laughs> this is beyond. Um, um, uh, you really? So you are. <laughs> anyway, on the thousand or so recipients, I, 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 I have a friend who who posted that as her Facebook. She's like, yeah, do the drug testing on all welfare recipients. And so next time, and I know she's gonna post it again. So next time, well, that's what you said. Yeah, okay. Next next time I'm gonna prove. Please prove. <laughs> share, share the data, you ignorant twat. Yeah. Did you think you're on twat? As far as no recipients, only two percent have tested positive for drugs. That's well below the national population's average. Well, that's and- because we know the rich people are all doing the cocaine. You know why? Because they can afford it. And it's so low that a testing plan. Which is expected to cost 187 million by some analyst estimates could end up costing taxpayers even more in the long run. So I, <laughs> that's what I want to close on today. All right. So this one wasn't actually the silliest podcast we've ever done. Fairly serious. No, it's very serious. But we need to do something silly next week. Yeah, we, yeah. We'll, we'll have a little bit more fun. So thank you for joining us. I got nothing to say. Oh, I have said anything, haven't I? You have anything else you want to rustle paper into the microphone a little bit more? Oh, you woke the dog up. That's good. <laughs> All right. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Have a nice whatever. If you enjoy Injudicious Ramblings, leave a review at iTunes or send us an email at injudiciousramblings at gmail.com or at injudiciousramblings.blogspot.com. The theme was written and recorded by Oscar Lawrence. <laughs>